welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about the real Slim Shady, the OG Ben Swallow, our homeboy, Jason Solo. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And Kevin is away on special rebel assignment. This week, we're going to cover chapters 9 to 12 of Bloodlines, book 2 of Legacy of the Force. But first, bum bum bum. Previously on Forever Canon, Han and Leia are attacked. Jason tempts Lumaya with Jedi. Jason saves mom and dad, and Boba removes his helmet. Family fight minus the spice loaf. Fett chats up Myrta, and old Gil retires. But that was last week. This week, we start with chapter nine. And we start with one of these beginning intro excerpt insert ideas. I heard stories about his grandfather when I was a boy, and Jason Solo struck me as a walking the same path. Vader liked a loyal military elite at his back, too. And sometimes ends do justify the means. The protests from the media and civil rights groups that greeted our announcement that a Galactic Alliance Guard had been formed to deal with the new threat to public safety was to be expected. It did not, however, make it any easier to hear myself decried as the new Palpatine. Chief of State Omas, in his memoirs, obviously... Yeah to be published later right, right right now it's just for himself that's uh we we kick it off on a sad note jason reminds him of stories about vader and well, you know what <laughs> who would like being called the new palpatine no never i wouldn't never. like it i i would definitely take that personally especially when it is so obvious <laughs> that that is the picture that you're painting. Ooh, it's ugly. But we actually start in the Karelian Quarter on Coruscant. Ben is looking for Barrett. He wants to know why he hates the Coruscanti, slash why he shot at Coruscanti security forces, a.k.a. Space Police. Ben just sees the conflict as between two governments. And I think that's probably because he's... 13? 13, yeah. and he's also grouped... On the side of the oppressor, not on the side of the oppressed. Yeah. It's a different perspective when you're on the side being a bully. <laughs> yeah, he's just... not seeing it from the normal person's point of view. Well, not, or even, the... not yeah, not necessarily normal persons, but yeah, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. The the person on, on underneath the boot. Yeah, the, you know? the minority the side world, of it. The world looks different when you're under the thumb. It's, uh, it's a funny little, it is like a 13-year-old thing to think, you know? He has a very narrow perspective of the world that we get to watch grow and grow as we go forward here. And even up to this point, he's become so much more a man than a 13-year-old. But right now, he's just sort of thinking like a 13-year-old. He finds Barrett and he gets no answers that he likes or understands because he's only 13. Yeah, none none at all. Barrett, all Barrett says is us versus them. You wouldn't understand. I don't think he even understands. No, he just he's like getting all the influence from cuz they he says Ben thinks that Barrett's not that much older. He's a couple years older. Yeah, like so maybe yeah. he's 15, 16. Yeah, maybe 15, 16. He's even got if his he's parents. 18, even it doesn't matter how old he is. Even the adults in the situation 
they don't understand why they're acting the way that they're acting. No, mob mentality. Everything is like, yeah, reactionary, which is funny to come back to the point of the last podcast where Jason needs to trust his reactions as if they're from the force and not just... Yeah, go on him. instinct. Don't go on thoughts. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's fine. But Barrett ends the conversation with a quick, thanks for not turning me in, though. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure that won't come back to haunt him at all. Cut to Jabby Town, Carillion Quarter. Jabby Town? Yeah, I don't know. What do we think about that name? I think it's kind of funny. I like it a lot, actually. <laughs> like Jabby it. Town. Could be Yabby. Could be Hubby. I don't know. Depends on how you want to stress no. your J's. But Jabby. Jabby Town. And here we get a timestamp again. Last time we got a timestamp, it was important. Old Gil retired. This one is 4 o'clock in the morning. Jabby Town. Jabby Town, Carillion Quarter. Jason, leading the GAG's first raid with Ben by his side. Of course. Of course. And others. Jason turned to the five squads of soldiers of 967 Commando in the troop bay. Elite shock troopers whose specialty was siege busting and personnel retrieval. All of them handpicked because they were Coruscant born and bred and human with no possibility of secret sympathies with other worlds. Among them were volunteers from the CSF's anti-terrorist unit, selected and vouched for by Shibu. They would be loyal. Jason had come to value loyalty very highly lately. Only humans. Only humans. Uh, very Empire. Does that sound familiar? No, they're wearing all black. They're not they're uh, like no, the Empire sorry. at all. But I thought that was interesting. Jason... Harps on loyalty a lot throughout these next couple of chapters, and you know who you know what kind of people demand a lot of loyalty, the people who can't stand up to the scrutiny of their own decisions, the people who aren't doing the right thing. Yeah, you need blind loyalty when you can't justify your actions, and that's yeah. what he's talking about here. Yeah, people are following him because he's the leader, and that's what he wants. Exactly, that's what he wants, but he wants to pretend that he doesn't want that. Yeah. Right? That he's got that willful blindness where he's just like, No, I got everything under control, man. Everything's fine. Everything's under control. And he's stepping into this uh new role very quickly. Very quickly, man. And to back to that timestamp, why is it four o'clock in the morning? For maximum disorientation of the targets, for maximum decreased resistance. For the forces invading these people's homes in the middle of the night. Yeah, because most humans and Carillians, whoever, would be asleep right now. That's right. Cold, he, cold, cold calculation, he, of course. Yeah. Even on this, literally the city that never sleeps. Yeah. Most people. They're do. sleeping. Most it's people four, do. <laughs> you know, that's just a cliche. The, the planet that never sleeps. Don't yeah. let them fool you. Because four o'clock in the morning, they begin pulling Coruscanti citizens out of their homes. Coruscanti citizens, mind you, who uh, are Carillion yeah. by blood. Yeah, they're just... They were born on Coruscant, but they are... Well, some of them, I should say. Whatever. But a number of these people were born on Coruscant, are Carillion by ancestry, and are now being rounded up for that reason because yeah, they're a possible threat. They're all being lumped in together. They start checking IDs, checking for these threats... Until they seem to have found something. Ordnance, sir, said one of them. The voice was female. She held up the sensor readout, the nose, as they called it, 
Attached to the back of her left gauntlet, it winked red and orange. The nose sniffed something and the occupants aren't cooperating. Stand clear. I wanted to read this little passage because I thought her arm gauntlet description was pretty cool. She's just got like a pop-up hologram on her gauntlet that is like a, showing her a, a real-time map of this joint. Yeah, like a, a scanner. Like a compact version of in uh, A New Hope of the like the Death Star. Yeah. Well, and like I like call it the nose. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. Pretty cool tech description. There's three people inside this room. And Jason, of course, wants to involve Ben as much as possible. Lots to learn. Good time to train, Jason even thinks. He asks Ben what he feels inside. And Ben says, dangerous. Not right now, but soon. Jason says, technology be damned. He reaches yeah. out through the force. He shocks the three people's spines, knocking them unconscious. Easy peasy. There you go. Another new force power. Yeah. Nobody up to this point has known that Jason can do this. I'm not even sure what to call this one. I Ooh, just, let's I just call, call it a force shock. Let's call it uh, zappy zappy back sleepy time. No, that's <laughs> probably not good. No. Uh, I don't know. We'd have to wait for Jason to name it. But you know what's funny? They, they don't. Like... Him especially, all these random, random things that he does. He even says a lot of the time, I'm not even sure how I know to do that. <laughs> I just, I feel like I, I can do it. And through his instincts, which he trusts, trusts so implicitly now, Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. But, hmm, I don't know. Let's come up with a good name of that. It's got to have uh, force in it, like force push and all okay, that. Okay, okay. Force spinal tap. No. <laughs> force. Force. Nervous system attack. Bad naming job. The force NSA. Moving on. <laughs> After he does that, he uses the force to blow open the doors. The troopers love it. Reb J, they say. Jason says, what's Reb J? And the troopers go, rapid entry by Jedi, sir. The Jedi and the troopers are getting along real nice here on their first little expedition out to arrest <laughs> Coruscant citizens. Ben has a real serious 13-year-old moment, too, when HNE news crews show up. He says, will my dad see this? Jason yeah. says, the only approval you need is your own. Yeah, well, also, yeah, your dad's going to see this. <laughs> yeah. Mean, what did you think this was going to be a secret 13-year-old? Yeah, and I like I like. Is, the, that, is it the middle of the night thing that makes him think it's going to be a secret? <laughs> but like, well, come yeah. on, man, come on, man. People are going to know. You don't think your dad's going to find out? What does it matter if he sees it? Yeah, and it, I like J Jason's question. Are you ashamed of anything you've done? Yeah. And Ben thinks about it for a second, and he says, "Only of things that I haven't done." And this is when Ben confesses about Barrett Say shooting that CSF officer. Uh, yeah, who would have died if Ben hadn't been there with his lightsaber. Yeah, had he not saved him after being saved himself from the trampling. Jason sees the cameras, and he decides to leave his lightsaber on. Show of force, and he is making a statement. This is what Jedi do, citizens. We act on your behalf. We don't just sit around and debate in our lovely new temple that you paid for. Jason... Throwing shade at the Jedi Council yeah. and at the government and at really any of these multi-person 
bodies of of authority that can't just make direct decisions like he wants to right he only one person should be in charge so that one person can make the decisions and we don't have to argue about what to yeah, do. Yeah, make the decision unilaterally without any discussion. Yeah, it's like a it's like an ideal world situation. And then what happens when one person has all the power? Well, they tend to get corrupted and whatever, whatever. Yeah. I do like that he left his lightsaber on uh, because he's got a little thing here. It says, if you're not prepared to do something in public, yeah. don't do it at all. I like that he's like, yes, this is me. Yes, this is what I'm doing. And he wants to this is for the greater good which comes back to the the 13 year old ben going oh my god is my dad gonna see this versus jason going i re i understand what's happening here i'm 30 years old not 13 yeah and i realize that this is as much a statement as it is a process like yeah. what i am doing is going to be a big deal yeah he wants everyone to see him being involved yeah he certainly does even though he knows the jedi council aren't going to like this cut to fleet surplus in galactic city on course hunt. Someone else's dad's going to see this raid on the news too. Han and Leia are in their newly purchased shuttle, getting ready to leave Coruscant when they see the news. Han scanned the screen expecting to see Jason injured or attacked. And then he saw his son, his little boy who had always had a soft heart and who could feel pain for others. Directing soldiers into buildings to drag out Carillions. In that way of terrible and unimaginable things, it didn't look real. His mind conjured up a scenario instantly. It was a vile piece of fake propaganda. It was Thraken's doing. It was a lie. But it wasn't. Leia put her hand to her mouth. Jason even had his lightsaber drawn. And he had Ben with him. Oh, 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 oh. oh, so even though he knows it's going to be seen and it's going to be known by anybody and everybody, the consequences are steep, like very, very steep. Yeah, he's he's now even like immediately Ooh. like this isn't even it doesn't even say a time, but it's I'm sure it's almost shortly thereafter. like like the news is now. Yeah, you know. Shortly thereafter, like maximum a couple hours, yeah. Already, it's putting a little bit of a rift between a, a little bit. Well, a little <laughs> bit of a rift that they actually voice out loud, right? Han and Leia, because Han is says he's feeling now he's betrayed by his son, yeah. And Leia is so freaked out that she's dead calm, yeah. And I mean, I legitimately had tears in my eyes when I was reading this, and I was asking myself like. Has Jason finally gone too far? Like in the, in this book, is this the moment where like maybe somebody's gonna speak up against him? Whereas, not a few chapters ago, he was saving his parents from crashing into the planet, and his mom was like, "Oh, he just always comes through. I better keep my mouth shut." Cut to a day or so later. Yeah, <laughs> here he is on the news. Like, not I don't know. Embarrassing you isn't the right word, but like. Breaking your heart, yeah, and like just cr just crushing, crushing the hope that his parents had that he, I don't know, I don't know, was on their side, was on the right path, or I don't know, was actually being the good, like being nice, a good nice son that they remember, being a good person that yeah. you want to raise, you know, it, yeah, like Han said, this is not 
the Jason that they remembered growing up. He's become a very different person lately. Han tells 3PO to call Jaina as Leia climbs into the cockpit in quiet shock. Chapter 10. We have this little beginning intro insert excerpt. To see a Jedi take up his lightsaber against civilians is shocking. Sorry, I should start this over. Master Silgal, Jedi High Council, is a Mon Calamari. To see a Jedi take up his lightsaber against civilians is shocking. But to see the son and nephew of the leader of the Jedi Council doing it, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> Master Silgal, Jedi High Council. <laughs> And I think that Master Silgal sums it up pretty neatly here. It's bad enough that it's a Jedi doing the dirty deeds in the dark in the nighttime for the government. But it's even worse that it's the Grand Master's nephew and his son. Like, it couldn't be. It couldn't look worse. You could not be more closely tied to the actions of this Jedi. Unless it was yourself personally yeah like. yeah maybe him or his sister yeah yeah that, ooh. so i think that just that's a nice little summary of how the political world is viewing this not uh, f- through the lens of how the high council is is yeah receiving that information i think master sogal is great actually also so is my impression of her now cut two Chapter 10 actually starting at Arcanian Microtech on Vohai. Boba Fett, our favorite noir detective, on a black and white stakeout to pinpoint where Tan Wee might be. Black and white stakeout. He, sa- he says Vohai has grown fat and lazy. He says they're, as they've gotten richer and expanded, their security has lowered. And then he promptly jetpacks up to a roof because repelling would hurt his shoulders. Has Boba Fett gotten lazy? He's 71 now. He doesn't want to pull himself up the, up a building with, with a, just the strength of his arms. He says, I'll, I'll risk burning a jetpack. Here's how he narrows down where she might be inside the building. Oh, he uses the phone directory. That's how he does it. <laughs> he looks up on the internet. He looks up what their different divisions are listed as. And he sees one that seems to fit probably the idea of a cloner. And then he sees, hmm, where would you be inside this building? And then just, you know, through the sheer force of all of his years of being a noir detective, he realizes, I got I got this. He says, I, I could wait and follow her home. But, nah, it's been a while since I broke into a lab. Got to keep them skills sharp. Yeah, it's been a while. Just, it's been a while. You got to test my skills again. Boba. You know, just when I said he was lazy, mm, turn me down, prove me wrong. Cut to the GAG headquarters. Another timestamp. 8.30 a.m. Oh, there's a timestamp on Boba Fett, too. It's uh, 4 p.m. Right. Yeah, 1,600 hours. My bad. My bad. That's But okay. this one is... I got you. This one's got to be four and a half hours after the raid. Yeah. Mara is waiting for Jason outside of the Galactic Alliance guard headquarters. And he pops out of the meeting room. And she's taken aback by the sight of Jason in black military fatigues. Colonel Solo now. She's even more surprised when she heads into the meeting room. And she sees Ben wearing the same thing. 
Mara just wants to know that Ben is all right and feeling okay. And he seems to genuinely be good. He does, but I don't like how he addresses his mother. Well, he, explain. Well, he <laughs> he calls her ma'am. Yeah. And and I understand, I kind of get it. He's in front of all He's the troops. He's a 13-year-old in a room full of men who he obviously is expected to be part of the team. Yeah, but you, I still, you know, you can't be like, "Hello, mommy." Well, you could say hi. You didn't have... Ma'am. Well, I think that's just like... That's like procedural military speak, right? Like, that's what it is. He's trying to be a soldier. I don't think... I think more than not trying to be her kid, he's trying to be a soldier. He's trying to address her the way that any uh, anybody else in that room would. But it is obviously meant to be awkward coming out of his mouth yeah. towards her, right? And it is weird. But he does. He seems to genuinely be fine. I mean... He's loving the new responsibility. He's making new friends. He's having he's partying all night long. I don't know. Yeah. Mara goes to leave and Jason pulls her aside. And he asks her point blank. Are you still happy I'm training Ben? And she doesn't answer because she's still stuck on a question of her own. And she asks Jason point blank. Are you having lady troubles? And Jason tells her the truth. Yeah. It's so true it hurts, he says. He's thinking of Tenelka and Alana. And Mara is just pure relief. Yeah, she takes that as... Confirmation. That she was right. Yeah, and nothing serious is going on. Yeah, it's just all the darkness that they're feeling is his swirled emotions over that. But being privy to the rest of the narrative, we know a little better. Yes, we do. Mara even offers to help. She's like, if there's anything I can do, you just let me know. I'm good with girl problems or something. And as she leaves, Jason says, thanks, Mara. You're probably about my only friend these days. And he's not wrong, man. She's the only one giving. Well, not the only one. Obviously, everybody up to this point is giving him a lot of rope and the benefit of the doubt. But her the most. Yeah. She is the only one who's actively defending him, especially in this complicated situation that he knows about where he knows Luke doesn't want him teaching Ben anymore. Yeah. But he knows that she does. And so this is a complicated situation even for him and for him to feel genuinely and say it earnestly like, Aunt Mara, you're my only friend. Like Mara, yeah. Sk- Mara Skywalker, you're my only hope. It's, it's, he doesn't emotionally talk directly to his family like that at all. Yeah, no, not at all. And as little emotion as there is in that, but like, you're probably about my only friend these days. Until he goes back inside the meeting room with all the guards. And now we find out who his new best friends are. The troops. Cause they've been watching the news and hot damn if black suited Jason solo Colonel in the galactic Alliance guard isn't getting famous. Yeah. CNN. I mean, HNE news is making this man famous. The Coruscant reaction to what the GAG is doing is positive, but the Carillion reaction and not at all. No, not even a little bit. Jason sits down with a man named Corporal LeCouf. What do you think about that name? I like it. I he, like his last he's name. He's kind of like a, he's going to be like kind of a middling figure moving forward. And yeah. I like his name. 
It's going to come up a lot. His name's going to come up a lot, so I want to know. I like it. LeCouf. Yeah, I like his. He, Jason asked him, why did you enlist? I like this part. And he says, my grandpa served under your grandpa back in the Empire. Small galaxy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, in fact, knew this as soon as I read the guy's name because we've talked about this game before. <laughs> Star Wars Rebellion for the PC, the yeah. real-time strategy game where they threw a bunch they had to make a bunch of characters or pull them from the EU to fill out a roster of Space Navy for both sides of the Rebels and the Empire. Yep. And there was a guy that you could re- recruit on there and his last name was Lekauf. And I'm like, "Man, the depths that they draw from in this thick 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 stack of expanded universe that used to exist." Still does, according to us, in certain ways. Yeah. But that's just, that's a deep, deep cut, man. And I like, I appreciate that. Yeah, this, when they're talking about him, uh, them serving together, um, look how he always talked about Lord Vader put himself in the front line. It meant a lot to him. Yeah. And, and it means a lot to these guys too. Yeah. Because Jason Jason's, was right there. He's doing the same thing. But he says to himself, he's not repeating Anakin's mistakes. He's building on his missed opportunities. Yeah. That is actually kind of a beautiful sentiment where if you draw back and and erase the mistakes that we've already watched him make, if that's his goal, where Anakin's goal was to bring order and peace to the galaxy through force of the empire and the emperor if jason's goal is to bring order and peace to the chaos of the galaxy but just not fall he doesn't want to fall off the that path that that directed path of yeah focusing on that goal like anakin did where you know anakin's heart got broken and everything went to hell yeah <laughs> pretty quickly but he's just building on his missed opportunities there's so many small moments like this in the writing that that entrench him further and further into his belief that like he's right and that he's doing the right thing all these little moments where like he bumps into a guy and the guy's like oh yeah my grandpa loved your grandpa because your grandpa did exactly what you're doing even though your grandpa's painted as a bad guy all over the place he was also loved for the doing the right thing when other people wouldn't do it and almost for his loyalty to his troops yeah and it's just that's the other thing that Jason says in this part that it's amazing to see loyalty like that across generations. Yeah. We're like, wow, your grandfather was loyal to my grandfather. And here we are side by side, still fighting the same fight, which kind of from a different perspective is like pathetic and sad. It is pathetic and sad. Still be fighting the same fight, but it's also almost, almost like, because of all the different betrayals and, yeah, and, and lines and stuff. All of, to see all that loyalty, is, to see that loyalty over all that time, yeah. is is also kind of cool too. Yeah, it's it's rare. Yeah, that's for sure. But now we cut to Dirk Gedgen's house on Coronet Corillia. Han oh, and Leia are back to make that deal that they turned down earlier. We will kill Thraken, and you can take the power of the government. No problem. Bang, boom, the coop is underway. Han and Leia talk on their way out on their way back to go rent an apartment they talk about whether or not what they're doing is okay like is it 
okay to kill this guy to stop the galaxy from going to war. Somebody else had a thought like that once. Oh, yeah, Leia says, oh, I wish Jason would have just shot Thraken back then. Don't yeah. we all by now, man? Don't we all? Because it, this rabble rouser is ruining everything. If you're looking at if Jason would have killed him, I'm not sure. Back in, like, the middle of book one. Yeah. I'm not sure if there would be any reason for the rest of this book series. <laughs> like, really? He is the one that, he's the catalyst that sparks the bomb at the beginning of this to turn it into a real war. And left undead, we're, we're seeing that, I mean, he's not a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> he's left alive, He we're seeing that come to fruition where he is just, like, constantly stirring the pot and popping things off. Now we cut to the Senate chamber on Coruscant. The debate over the GAG's action rages on, but Jason sums up the reason for the operation. No deaths, a reassured public, a clear statement to any who want to kill and maim civilians that they won't be tolerated, removing truly dangerous individuals from our streets, and also sending a message that if Corellia can be stopped from pursuing a destructive path at the expense of the common good, than any world can. Or would you rather let the enemies within erode our society? These are people who are happy to accept the benefits of being a Coruscant resident, an Alliance citizen, but don't want the effort of being loyal to it. If that's my sleight of hand, then I'll sleep soundly tonight. This is his response to Omas essentially telling him he was being a shifty little bugger last night. <laughs> yeah. And he's not wrong, man. The This is the the well-written fine line that Jason walks is the line between that firm, harsh, strict decision-making and how far you can apply that before you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. And so as we get into this, where he's getting now into the military and now he's a Colonel, we start getting tastes of stuff like this, where he's, Fudging around, blurring around that line of what's right and what's okay, where they're abducting Coruscant citizens in the middle of the night who are of Karelian descent. Yeah, not like okay. He is. Yeah. Like his dad is. Like his sister is. Like they all that. Like Ben, like all of them. Ben's not Karelian. Ben's not Karelian. But all the solos. Yeah. I mean. You're, you're walking that line of doing the right thing for the right reasons, but it's also not really that right. I don't know, man. It's weird. And the other thing, too, is like it is, again, another reasonable explanation for doing the wrong thing. You know? Yeah. The ends are justifying the means is what he's saying. We're doing a dirty job, but we're doing it for the right reasons, so it's okay. Senator Gazil comes over and she thinks Jason's speech... Would have been amazing for the HNE cams if they were there. And Nyethal asked Jason if she, if he's after Omas's job, just like she is. Jason realizes everyone in politics is only thinking about their own personal ambition. Nobody else here is thinking about the bigger picture and what's right and wrong and what needs. Yeah, to be they're done. all looking to gain more power and more, more like personal fame and control yeah. exactly. And he realizes here. He says, "What his ambitions are." And he tells Nyathal, what I want is for the trillions of ordinary people in the galaxy to be able to get on with their lives, knowing that it's being run by a stable form of government. 
The vast majority of folk just get smashed by the fallout from the power struggles of a handful. I want to see that stop. I want to see power meaning duty, service, not a prize. I like that. That is a very ideal way of looking at things. It's very military way of thinking yes. of things. You know, you don't, you don't get power in the military by through political maneuvering. Ideally, you're supposed to get it through merit. Yeah. And service. It's not a bad way to want to run things, but it's not the way things are done here now. And it's not really the way, like, that's the ideal on paper, how it should work. But it's not yeah. the way it works ever. No. And, and ever will, as far as and so is this, this is concerned. Is this, again, him just being too idealistic and I, not, not realistic enough? Right? I think so. Like it's, I don't know. I think so. I think that's a lot of his problem. But chapter 11, we have a beginning intro insert excerpt. This one, an HNE lunchtime news bulletin. Chief of State Calamas today authorized new emergency measures to crack down on continuing unrest in Galactic City. Corellian passport holders now have 48 hours to report to their local CSF precinct and opt for repatriation or face internment. The move has been condemned by Senate representatives from Altier, Five, Obridion, and Katrasai. Meanwhile, anti-terrorist squads raided homes in the Adder Quarter overnight and seized explosives and blasters. Ten men and three women have been charged with conspiracy to cause explosions. So we see on the news, more and more propaganda that kind of shows both sides of things. Like, it's, are they propaganda or are they kind of showing down the middle the truth? I mean, they are here. Here, yeah. what they're here, what they're telling us is that the Coruscant government has told all Karelians on Coruscant, you can either go home or go to jail, and not even necessarily because they're Coruscanti. Like they, that's where they're born. They're just Karelian descent. So go back to a place you've never been to. Yeah, yeah. go to your ancestral home. Yeah, or go to jail. Seems shady to me. But chapter 11 really starts at Arcanian Microtechnologies, headquarters on Vohai. It's taking Fett hours to break into this lab, looking for where Tan Wee might be. He's starting to feel his age. He says he's too slow and sore, too. Then he hears her voice. Tan Wee's sweet, melodic, singing voice. If you've ever seen episode two, you'll know what we mean. Go watch it. I'll wait. Welcome back. Okay. The adrenaline hits him and he erases all of his aches and pains. Gotcha. He thinks to himself. Because Boba Fett knows. Once I get ya, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. A, a few cool black and white detective moves later. And he's in her office surprising the heck out of her. Let me ask you a question, Tonwee. Did you really think that you could hide from Boba Fett? For real. <laughs> Did you really think that you were going to hide forever from Boba Fett? And, and I'm not sure. Or are you just generally shocked that he's standing in front of you in your office right at this moment? Like, which one? But she, I don't know, you know? I think she. He paints it like she never thought she was going to get caught. 
And I'm not sure if she was actively hiding from him or just hiding from everything. Well, I think she said, she mentioned something. I thought about how, like, I knew they'd send you or something. Like, I knew, uh, who, remember whoever he was talking to back on Camino? Yeah. Wanted him Kosai to go or whatever find her. Name is. No, it wasn't Kosai. That was the other person that he's looking for. Oh, yeah. But it, whoever it was, the person who was like, I'll pay you a million credits. And he's like, two million. They're like, no. And he's like, suck it. <laughs> He wasn't wrong. Or, I mean, Ton Wee wasn't wrong. They wanted to hire Boba Fett to track her down. But he did it out of the goodness of his own heart because he needs to save his own life. Okay, maybe that's not really the goodness of your own heart. But Boba Fett lays out the details for us once more. It's been a while. It's been a few paragraphs. Here we go. I'm suffering from tissue regeneration. False. I'm suffering from tissue degeneration. (laughs) Liver problems. Autoimmune diseases. Tumors. My doctor says I have a year or so to live if I'm lucky. And he hands her all his medical data right away. Here, take a look. I mean, what does he have to lose at this point? She looks right? at it for a second. She's like, ah. Ah, yes. Um, no, I can't help you is what she says. Yeah. <laughs> he says, fine, but I'm stealing all your data anyways. And he I like want it all. sticks a little USB thing in her USB thinger. And he says, if you tell me what happened to Kosai, I won't sell it. Kosai is the one who supposedly found the way to stop the aging process, the accelerated aging process for the clones. And the one and she was shipped back to Camino in pieces. Yes. And, oh, and by the way, the other one's name is Koni. That's why I was close. Great. How could you possibly get that wrong? It's so <laughs> definitively different. Tonwi tells him everything, right? Long story short, Kosai could control aging and she was killed and her data was stolen. Or maybe he. I will not clear on that. Data was stolen by a team of clones. She drops the same name that Murtagev dropped earlier. Skarada. And Boba Fett puts two and two together. Maybe that old ass clone that she saw will be a lead to me not dying right now. That'd be great. He'd never failed to track a bounty before. He thinks to himself. Another one of those gotcha moments. Tonwi asks him straight up, what legacy are you going to leave behind, Fett? How how are so many people just openly asking him this? What kind of world is this where people just ask you, hey, listen to me, mister. What kind of legacy are you going to leave behind when you die? Murtagev asked him. Goran Bavin asked him when he met him at the bar. Now Tonwi's asking him the same question. It's a little heavy handed. It's a little bit heavy-handed in the writing. Yeah. It's really like shoving that plate of meatballs right in your mouth. And I think if two out of the three, like if Bavine and Ton Wee had right. done it, it's a little it different. It makes less sense for Mertegev to have done it based on what we know about her so far. But it, nonetheless, it's like it's pretty ham-fisted, man. It really <laughs> Everybody's is. Everybody's like, hey, what's your life been all about, huh? And he's like, I don't have an answer. I only loved my dad. Yeah, like I don't, everybody, everybody, everybody's getting on his case about it. It's a little much. And now he has a revelation. Another one of those many revelations about what he's been doing with his life as he leaves Ton Wee's office and heads to the slave one. It's not an easy thing to say leaving Ton Wee. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's like. It's not. It's just not. Sorry. Boba Fett wasn't certain what would fill that void and show him his purpose in life. But he knew now. That it lay ahead of him and not behind, frozen in memories. 
he stood in front of Slave One, an icon of his childhood, and wondered where the line between trademark and trap was drawn. Now that is a nice piece of writing. Yes, it is. As a 71-year-old man, it took it took three denials of Jesus Christ to get him to have this revelation where three people had to ask him point blank to his face, what the hell have, have you done with your life? Yeah. Where now he's finally realizing maybe I need to let go of my dad's death. And again, another fine line of how much am I paying homage and respect and how much am I trapping myself within a, within somebody else's life? And as a 71-year-old man who feels like he has nothing, well, <laughs> you know, I think the answer's pretty clear. On Slave 1, Myrta says, she ran into that old clone on Coruscant. Vet gets a call before they jump, though. He sends her off before he answers it. It's Thraken, and he's got a proposal. Yeah. Thraken contacting Fett directly, not through an intermediary. Bad news. But we cut to squad training on Sentax 2, wherever the hell that is. Jaina's running a live fire fighter exercise against Uncle Luke. He's holding back, as a uncle would do, and she doesn't like it. She's all fired up. Jaina wants him to... Stop holding back and give her hell because she feels like she's not ready for the coming war. He's really just there to talk to Jaina, Luke. It's for the first time since everything really went down. This is our first Luke and Jaina solo moment. I mean, <laughs> Luke and Jaina solo solo moment, if you get my drift. They're in the mess hall watching, guess what? The HNE News. It's the focus point for all the pilots. The GAG with Jason and Ben front and center. In his mind, Luke hears Han telling him something that we drew much attention to earlier. The Alliance is becoming the Empire. How can you not see it? The pilots, though, have their own comments. Old family tradition terrorizing the population, said one captain, feet propped on a low table. Just like his grandfather all over again. When's he going to go for a nice black cloak and helmet and lots of troopers and lovely white armor? <laughs> yeah. Jaina flips out. Yeah, she does. She force shoves this guy, this lower ranking officer, mind you. Let's remember our military standards here. She assaults a lower ranking officer. She shoves him into the wall with the force. Did you forget that she's fiery? She's a little <laughs> bit on edge. Luke thinks... It hurts to hear that because everyone is saying it, but he's just the messenger. I think it hurts to hear that because it's true. Not just because somebody's saying yeah. it, because look at it. Look at what's happening. It's so true. It hurts. It's so true that it hurts. But now, Luke and Jaina talk, and we finally get... The conversation that everyone has needed to have for 500 pages. And a conversation between Luke and Jason's twin sister, which I think is very important. That this It is. is they put a from. lot of stress on, the, on the, the fact that they're twins and that they like have always been so close and know each other so well and they're so tightly bonded. 
And essentially this conversation is, I don't know what's happening with Jason, but I'm scared. I don't even know him anymore. Luke says, I, I, I don't know what to do either. I don't trust him. Jaina says ever since he tricked me, manipulated me against the Chiss. I don't know what that is. I don't remember what that is. I think it's from the kill it crisis, but I don't remember. I don't know. Either way, Jason has betrayed her trust earlier. That's why when we come into the beginning of this book, they're not super tight. The beginning of this book series, I should say. But basically, by the end of this conversation, Luke comes to a realization you're not fooling me, Jason. You're turning to the dark side. Bum, bum, bum. And Jaina reiterates to Luke what Luke's already feeling. Uncle Luke, this is none of my business, mm-hmm. but if I were you, I'd get Ben a new teacher. So yeah. she's feeling the dark turn, whether it's an active that she's actually looking for it or which I'm sure she might be. She might be. Or if it's like normal everyday human twins have some sort of connection, they're force sensitive. Maybe she's almost directly linked either way. She even feels like she doesn't know him. And like, what are you going to do? This is what I mean earlier when I say, well, has he finally gone too far, but is it obviously way too late already? Well, like all these people let him push and push and push real far. Oh yeah, real far. And there's a lot of the t- a lot of times up up to this point. There's like, has he gone so f- too far? And then he takes it to the next level. Yeah, and everybody's <laughs> like, nah, I don't think you so. Yeah, I'm gonna wait for more sign. Yeah, it's all bad. I think wearing black in the middle of the night with your lightsaber drawn on a bunch of civilians. Yeah. That's uh, that would put me over yeah. the edge. You're not fooling me. You're f- turning to the dark side. Cut to. Bravo Company in Galactic City. We get another timestamp. Is this important? 23.30 hours. What the heck is that? 11.30 at night. 11.30 at night. I figured it out real quick as I was saying it. Ben is in the lower levels of Coruscant, the scary levels, the seedy underworld levels with the GAG. Yeah, the only thing lower than that is sewer systems. That's right. Where Jason's best friend, the world brain, resides. (laughs) But enough about that. Enough about the Yuzhan Vong. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> ben Ben thinks about the Karelians they've deported so far. And I mean, he's talking about the ones that they deported. He says deported. I'm going to say I'm going to say that again. They've deported people quickly already. He says it must be hard to be sent home when Coruscant has always been home. But he can't figure out why these Karelians don't have any loyalty to Coruscant. He says he felt like a kid who missed something important. The grownups weren't telling him. Yep. It's just feeling like, like another, like an uninformed 13 year old. I remember feeling like that when I was a kid, man. And you're like, the grownups are, are, have serious faces on about something. You don't understand why, or they're laughing about something. You don't understand why they won't tell you. But in this, in this particular scenario, here's the trick kid. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. These are a bunch of soldiers who are following orders. These are a bunch of scared people, uh, terrorists or innocent civilians who are all scared. They're not thinking very clearly about what they're doing. And it's why it doesn't make sense to a 13 year old where to him, like he said before, he's just like, I thought it was just two governments disagreeing. 
And why, why are people blowing up bombs in my home? It's also funny to see how quickly they moved from Carillions yeah. to just general threats. Because threats. threats with even quotation marks in the text. Yeah, because it's not even a Carillion neighborhood that they're in right now. Yeah. And another thing that I made a note of here, the CSF, um, some of them volunteered for this 967, which is the name yeah. of the squad. Yeah. I have a nickname already. Oh, yeah? Stormies. Oh, yes. They have the nickname of wonder Stormies. wonder how they got that. I wonder. But they, were, they were black. They're not stormtroopers. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shivu comes and gathers the team to tell them what's up, what they're doing in this non-Karelian district. He says they're looking for a few Karelian agents and a bounty hunter. One name that he reads out might stand out to us, the reader, Habur, as in Aelin Habur, Boba Fett's daughter. And at this point, I remembered what happens to her. And I will keep that a secret, listeners. And damn. Yep. Damn. This is a mess. That's who Ben is about to lead an assault on. Boba Fett's daughter. That's fine. He's about to be directly involved. Maybe not lead, but about to be directly involved in an assault on a cornered Boba Fett's daughter. That can only go well. That's fine. Everything is fine. That's That can only be okay. Everything is fine. The squad head, heads in and does their thing. They get two of four right away. Shivu takes Ben around the back to where Jason is. And they're thinking they've got the last two targets pinned down. Ben says it feels dangerous in there. Quick little Reb J. Rapid entry by Jedi. And Jason starts deflecting blaster bolts as they're pouring out of the door immediately. Ben... Stupidly, in a military fashion, but instinctively, in a Jedi fashion, falls in behind Jason and starts wheeling lightsaber too, knocking blaster bolts away, which wouldn't be the move military-wise. And they, they even point that out. Shibu tries to pull him aside. But this guy, Jason Solo, makes everything look easy, man. He just bla- blaster bolt smacks one back of the guy with his lightsaber and then he, he he pushes the woman up against the wall and he holds her there and they've got everybody easy peasy beautiful breezy cover girl after the operation ben decides to tell jason about barrett say say so he he's thinking you're in this now you know what the stakes are you're not here to be liked and Jason needs you. He needs you to be loyal. We're not throwing this word around for nothing in the text. We're not throwing it around for nothing on the podcast. There's a reason why the themes of home and loyalty keep being brought to the forefront. And it's because they're very complicated in these situations. Your loyalty to Jason as his 13-year-old cousin, who later in, in the later text, or maybe even here earlier... Says, he's not my master, but he is my master. That's how he looks at him. That's what matters. That's the perspective that matters. Ben looks up to his cousin so much, and how could you not? And especially as a 13-year-old who's had your memory wiped about the darkest parts, it's hard to see that he's not a good role model. Yeah, you're seeing maybe the decisions that you're seeing that have to be made and Jason is the one that is able to make those decisions, yeah. but you're not seeing what caused him to come to those decisions. Yeah. When like 13. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Oh, well 13 and having your 
Memory wiped. <laughs> the memory wipe, you know, I think that's going to be a sticking point for that a while. That assists a little bit. <laughs> but for now, chapter 12. And we get this insert excerpt at the beginning, a little bit of a blurb. Mertegev to Aelin Habur. Am returning to Coruscant. Have not received your replies to previous messages. Please confirm rendezvous point. Have heart of fire. This is a text from Mertegev to Aelin Habur. Intercepted by the Galactic Alliance Guard signal squad. Pass to Colonel Solo for evaluation. So what does this tell us? Mert is trying to get a hold of Boba Fett's daughter, but she can't because she's being held in custody by Jason Solo. Just remembered something. Longtime enemy of Han Solo. And here we are in this mess. But not for now. For now, mm. Chapter 12 really starts in Jason's apartment. Where he is, of course, watching HNE. HNE News is the first thing he does every morning now. I'm going to step out of this world and into the real world for a second. And I think, I wonder, how much was Karen Travis glued to the news like everybody else was after 9-11 attacks? Like, yeah. Because that's what this is sort of analogous of, right? Is there's a, there's a big incident and now you have little spots popping off at home where it's playing a large part in her narrative. Like the news, it's not just, it's not just these little blurbs at the beginning of the chapters that are giving us exposition. It's like the characters inside the narrative are very reactive to the news and very much conscious of it and, and, and play it as a factor in their decision-making. So like, it's not just some, a tool being used to show us behind the scenes stuff. Like, Remember at the beginning when we were first starting to see them, we were kind of wondering why what, they why? why and what's this about? Well, a lot of them have been news related and the news is heavy in this, in this, in this Karen Travis novel. And I think that says a lot about uh, her maybe experiences. Yeah. Back 2001 when uh, our home over here went sideways and, you know, war came to us. Yeah, which was a new thing. Which is a thing that you're seeing reflected a lot in the narrative here. And as he's watching the news, Jason thinks, well, I'm coming off pretty good here, but Thraken is making an announcement. Center point restoration has begun. A perfect reason for the GA to start a blockade, Jason thinks. But blockades are too slow. Time means lives. Time means more chaos. We always think that time will resolve things, but it never has. And as a 30-year-old man about to enter another war and his entire family has been generations of fighting the same war over and over, he's not wrong. No, he's not. Another moment where he's not wrong, his opinion isn't wrong, it's usually just his execution that comes off a little crooked. (laughs) But the first thing in the morning... Jason's new routine, he goes to the Senate building. My, how quickly things change here. Nyathal has the blockade of Karelia fully planned already, and Jason wants to play a big part. He wants to be seen on the front lines, like Grandpa was 
Back when Grandpa LeCalf was working for him. Yeah. He wants to be just like Papa Vader. And Nithal is down. She gives him command over a group of fighter squadrons. A group that happens to include the squad that twin sister Jaina is running. So we are about to see them butt heads big time. She has been working all of her life to gain her military rank. And she is a colonel. Jason Solo was handed the rank of colonel to start the secret police thing that she does not agree with. Yep. Sparks are about to fly. I don't know if you know this. Jane is a little fiery. A little fiery. And hey, here Again. that thing, that uh, whole loyalty thing is probably going to come up between those two. We that Their loyalty is going to be tested as these books go on. Let's just leave it at that. But right now, I'm sure that's going to be fine. Jason Solo is Jaina's boss, even though they're the same rank. I'm sure that's fine. I'm sure that's going to be fine. Nyeth also has both Solo kids fighting Corellia for the GA. What a show of loyalty, she says. Jason says, not just loyalty. It's more than that. I have to have the respect and support of more than one admiral. I need the rank and file to see me as their own, too. Just in case... You can't deliver their loyalty. Or you change your mind about me. So Jason is thinking steps ahead here, man. Where he's Yes, like, he is. If I want to take over the galaxy, <laughs> I have to do it honestly. <laughs> I have to earn it <laughs> with duty and service. That's how you earn loyalty, right? That's what he just said in the last chapter. Yeah. And he isn't fooling around, man. He's going to live it. He's going to do it. So, kudos to him for walking the walk, not just talking the shit. But Nyathal orders the fleets to move. End of exercise. Start of the real war, she says. Cut to the Slave One en route to Corellia. Myrta says, I thought we were going to Coruscant. Yeah, me too, kid. Psych! Boba Fett says, we're going to Corellia. You only thought we were going to Coruscant. I never said that. <laughs> That's not what we're doing. I have some business on Corellia. That's where we're going. On the way there, he calls Bavine about Thraken's offer. He tells him to gather Mandalorians to help protect Centerpoint. Bavine says probably only going to be about half a dozen of us. Most of us have gone home to farm for the season. This is my impression of Boba Fett at this moment. What? Huh? <laughs> what? And Merta straightens him out. The Yuzhan Vong hit the Mandalore sector as badly as anywhere, Fett. It was the first time she'd addressed him by name. Everyone's still rebuilding. You know what your name means? Farmer. Vet. It's Mandoa for farmer. I know that. Dad came from Concord Dawn. He said his family were frontier farmers. How did he get a Mandalorian name then? I, I like it. I, I find it a little funny that these guys are the most fearsome fighters in the galaxy, essentially. Yeah. But when's downtime? They're family people. They're farmers. Well, the thing is, times are tough on Mandalore. And so normally, Boba Fett's like, don't normally, like, the women stay home and tend the farm, which is hilariously sexist. <laughs> so but, funny. like, 
But they're like, yeah, normally, but there's too much work to be done and not enough people to do it. The Mandalore are running thin, the Mandalorians. And here's something I thought was weird. Boba Fett doesn't know how his dad got a Mandalorian name. He just said his dad was born on Concord Dawn. He came from Concord Dawn. Yeah. Concord Dawn is on Mandalore, correct? Yeah, I Unless think I'm crazy. So. I think so. I think so. so. I don't know. I don't understand how he doesn't understand how his dad got a Mandalorian name. Unless I'm not reading that right. But here we go. That's, this, how, that's what I gathered from this it. This kicks off Myrta just proceeding to roast him. You're a shit dad. You're a shit leader. And your excuses are shit too. And she ain't having it. And I love her right now. I love the idea of her just walking into this guy's life. The 71-year-old man who has no, has had no like connection with adults for his entire adult life. And she just starts pushing him around and telling him that he sucks. Because he does. He's, she's like, you suck at being a Mandalorian. You're not a good Mandalore. You're not a good husband. You're not a good dad. What the hell are you good at? Eh? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> What's your legacy, Boba? Cut to the High Council and the Jedi Temple. Luke and the Masters are discussing the Jedi's upcoming role. Master Silgal has a question first. What about Jason? Huh? What about Jason's actions? Luke has to admit to the Masters in front of Mara, he doesn't like what Jason is doing. Or Ben being involved. But however, Master Kip Durin has a suggestion. He says, more than one of us in this chamber has gone to some extremes and come back okay. So maybe we should be making an effort to help Jason identify more with the Order. We should make him a Master. Yep, good try. You're about 40 years too late to solve that problem. Wrong guy, wrong generation. That would have solved uh, Grandpa Vader's problem. Luke knows right away. It's not that. That's not going to solve the problem. No, it's not. Mara still thinks it's broken heart time, but Luke doesn't believe that either. And after the meeting, he finally tells Mara, Lumaya's back. Dun, dun, dun! These tangled webs continue to weave next week on Forever Canon when we cover chapters 13 to 16. I'm Justin. And I'm Tim. And we'll catch you next time. Pew, pew, pew. Bye. See ya. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at jplazer. Check us out.